This isn't your average business podcast. This is the a companion, companion podcast for the James Altucher Show. Hosted by me, Jay the Engineer. And me, Nathan Rospero, the post-production manager. So what we do is pretty much just say what we learn during that month from all the episodes. How has your week been? My week has been very active. We've been listening to a lot of Make You a Millionaire episodes because there are so many contestants getting into their uh, kind of trying to figure out how they're going to make some dollars. And we've been trying to get these episodes out the door to the paying customers. How much are they paying? Zero dollars. Zero dollars. Yeah, we're not getting anything. I'm not getting anything. But every time I come up with great ideas, I'm, mm. I always wanted to say, hey, you know, like, if that actually happened, can I take like just 10%? I'm like, no, 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 not a lot. Just 10%. 10% not yeah. a lot, you know? Not like 20%, you know? They wouldn't even notice. Yeah, you wouldn't even notice. It's like, if you make a billion dollars, 10% is like, what, a thousand? 10% of a billion is a hundred million. A hundred million, million yeah, yeah. times 10 is a billion. Yes. So, yeah, so just a cool hundred mil, they wouldn't even notice. Yeah, yeah. See, that's why I have to like I have to ask them, you know, because my math is bad. Yeah. And uh, the series is great. Uh, actually I was actually talking to uh James Quandell the other day. Like he did say that like the show for him is not to make him a million dollars. The show for okay. him is actually to force him to think or to have a mentor for him in his business or his, you know, whatever he do. So he has a mentor that he can, you know, go back and forth with. Like an accountability partner or doing a active, um, what do they call that? Active learning? Active learning. Yeah, exactly. So it's more like they're trying to be better of themselves. Okay. So that's like really trying to take into heart the kind of the skip the line techniques that, that yes. James, it's not, it's not about the money, but it's about that process about getting the, the plus minus equal and 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 working out all the the creativity right. steps. See, plus minus equal is so so important uh, because I was actually talking to Jen Glance. So the episode, a few episodes from the one that we just released today or last week, if you listen to this uh, on the day of you know release, is that Jen's is trying to get into live streaming as well on Twitch because that's one of the ideas. You know, I'm into live streaming too, but I'm more into live streaming games and stuff mm-hmm. and you know maybe podcasts occasionally so having the plus minus equal is like every time when i teach something i learn something i taught her how to set up the live stream mm-hmm. uh, use what program and then she was using a different program so that sort of forced me to use that program as well so that let me compare two different bro- programs that we are using so we are currently using the OBS. The beautiful layout that you see right now was designed in OBS. Um, she was using a Twitch uh, studio for it, you know, okay. only for Twitch. I was able to compare, you know, what's the pros and cons of different platform. So every time when I talk to her about live streaming, we also exchange ideas like what we should do, what we think we should do on live stream. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So with the with OBS that we're using, can you have that broadcasting with the same layout to multiple streaming platforms yeah. at the same time? Yeah. So, so I can actually like stream this to YouTube as well at the same time. But the thing is, like, I, I don't know. I always think that it's good to focus on just one platform. You only have to look at one set of comments at once. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, the good thing about OBS is, let's say, if I'm streaming to Facebook Live, YouTube, and Twitch at the same time, mm-hmm. all the comment that came through will all 
uh, all curate into one sections, so I can no see way. all the comments at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy. But the thing is, like, how are you gonna talk to people that way? Like, like if someone comment on YouTube, if other people watching you on Twitch, they're not gonna know what other people are talking about. Oh, good you know? point. So when you're well, maybe one of it, our list, one of our listeners needs to respond to this podcast and tell us how to do that. Yeah, why why, why it's more beneficial to go on. And, and have multiple platforms at the same time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if James Quandel listened to this, like he would tell me, like, oh, it's better than this. Is this? Yeah, James is. Uh, so James Quandel is one of the mentor. Um, uh, you know, mentees. Uh, not mentees. It's mentees for the the, the Millionaire series. Uh, he's actually one of. Um, I think it's Eric Hansen, the the chess master, or Eric Rosen. Sorry, Eric Rosen's uh, mm-hmm. Twitch moderator. So oh, he very knows, yep. He knows how to get like viewers or how to like engage with the with the with the audience, you know, like how to make them uh, interactive. Um, but anyway, uh, I'm not trying to drop a bombshell to you, uh, Nathan. So last week I just got scam. Wait, that is dropping a bombshell. <laughs> how is it? That's the opposite of not dropping a bombshell. How did you get scammed, Jay? So I got scammed in cryptocurrency. Like you was, you have thought like you know James Altucher is all like into crypto and stuff. Like why would his producer go into a scam? Uh, so what happened is so James is into crypto space, but he's into the 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 right and the true crypto space. Like focus on crypt, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all this stuff. Okay. So I want to dive into all the meme crypto. Cryptocurrency. So there's a I, I don't know if you follow the there's meme stock. There are meme stocks like AMC, mm-hmm. GameStop, or whatever. So sure. and and then there's meme cryptocurrency. It's like Dogecoin, Dogecoin, uh, right. Floki coin, uh, Elon Elon coin, and you know Shiba coin. So every time when I dive into this, I always have you know I have my principle. Like I don't put more than like ten dollars or twenty dollars. Every mm-hmm. time, you know, so I didn't put more than ten dollars, twenty dollars every time, and then I will always go to this this web page called Dex.io to see what what are the new pairs because sometimes you get in early enough, it will you know it will go high and then you can sell mm-hmm. it. So it's like a pump and dump scheme a little bit. So I'm like I'm gonna try and and do it. So I saw this I saw this crypto, it's been going up uh, higher and higher and no one is selling, and then I'm like. Why this is interesting, but it's going up so so much too. I'm like, maybe I should put some money in it. I put ten dollars, and then I'm like, it's still going up, and no one's selling. I'm like, this is amazing. Maybe I should put more. So I started getting greedy. I put zero point five Ethereum. So that time, zero point five Ethereum is equal to about a thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. So I put it in there. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. Why people only? <laughs> like I, I, people's like, oh, why are they holding? Scared. Yeah, why are they holding? Why they're not selling? So and then you know, usually what I do, I do my due diligence. I usually look at the meme coins. I would go to their Telegram channel, Twitter, and website to make sure everything is legit. This time, somehow, for some reason, I never do any of those. I didn't. It do just any seemed of like those. it was happening too quickly. You needed yeah. to get in before the price went up. Yeah, like the greed. Got over me like the the, mm-hmm. the greed just come into my head like oh just get this I can make a million dollars, so I'd go to the, the channel I'm like uh, what is going on like why is no one selling and then someone posted like okay this is a scam please don't do it I'm like crap <laughs> oh yeah Bron 
Brando Plains said, yep, same with Dodge. Yeah, I'm like, crap, this is, this is bad. And I better take my money out. So I didn't know about this. So mm-hmm. in one of the crypto scams that I didn't know, I never know about is that they can lock the fund or the liquidity. So you can't, you can't take your money out. So I swapped it. Oh, no. And I'm like, crap, I can. How long did you have to hold? No. Like, you can never take it out at all. Ever? Ever. Oh. So my 0.5 Ethereum just gone. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So this is the ref. And, and I just realized, oh, shit. Why didn't I realize That's all the ref flag? Yeah. I'm like, well, first of all, why does it go up so much? Second of all, why is no one selling? It's going up for like 600%. Why is no one selling? And then… Stuck. Yeah. And then they on the Dex.io, they didn't post any website, any official channel. So that should be another red flag. You know? And then I'm like, okay, now I know. Now I learn. So, you know, like because I didn't stuck to my principle. I didn't put only $10 or $20. I didn't, I didn't go to any of that channel, make sure it's legit. Talk to people, like, what is this? You know, and then I'm like, okay, yeah. So I lost 0.5 Ethereum on that. And now I know. Yikes. Yeah. How much was the 0.5 Ethereum when you acquired it? Uh, so I acquired 0.5 Ethereum, like, early on, maybe like $50. Okay. Or $60. Yeah, because I started buying Ethereum back in 2016 or 17. Actually, 2018 when, when Coinbase started listing them. So you wasted time more than money on this one. Yeah, I wasted time. I wasted uh, emotional, uh, what's called the emotional energy or whatever. Yep. And then, you know, like I was like down all day. I'm like, why am I so dumb? Why am I so stupid? Why did I look at everything before I actually buy it? You mm-hmm. know, sometimes, you know, when something's happened, it's too good to be true. You always ha- like James always said. You have to always ask what, why, and how. Why are you the why? Why are you getting into this yeah. great deal? Why no one? You know why will you be able to get it? You know. So 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 now I learn. So I mean, I still I still I'm still into some meme coins, but not as aggressive mm-hmm. anymore because I learned that, and I also have a couple, uh, you know, one that I got. Not scam, but like yeah, like just go down right away. But uh, I did make money on a couple of those. So that's one called Tiger King's coin. Oh my gosh! I know it because because they were supposedly announced uh, the season two. So I put in twenty dollars. I made like fifty bucks. I'm like, and then I pull it out right away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I know, I I I don't think it's gonna it's gonna go any more further than that. So I'm like, eh, I'm just gonna take it out. By the way, all that it just you know just my personal preference. Like, don't take this as Financial advice or whatever. So you think I should put my money into meme stocks? Meme stocks, meme coin, whatever you want to do. I mean, I have some stock in AMC. So James is all about, you know, believe and long, you know, believe in something that, you know, like something real or something that's like legit. For Mm -hmm. me, I'm like, hey, I like, I like meme. I, every day when I work, I have like another webpage just browsing meme. So I'm like, you know, and I and and I I and I didn't put a lot of money in there. I just mm-hmm. put like some, you know, like zero point maybe zero zero one or zero point zero one Ethereum. It's like ten bucks, twenty bucks. You know, the only time I put that much is the time that I lose that much money. I'm like, eh, oh God, not anymore. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It's crazy stuff. So, speaking of cryptocurrencies. Right. We were talking we have, about that on the episodes, on the, on the show this week, right? Yeah, that, uh, that one with Tyler Cohen, episode 731. Mm-hmm. I like that. Ep- so, so, for everyone that's just joined, we are, we are doing a live the company and podcast. Uh, you know, just pretty much just show you how we tape those podcasts, how we go crazy, how much we had to edit out because of all the mistakes that we made, or all, all this racist stuff that we say on the show. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Just uh, yeah, but yeah, so like, so we talk about, we're going to talk about our favorite episodes and what we learned that week. So one of, one of my favorite is episode 731 with Tyler Cohen. Mm-hmm. Um, the episode is great, but you know, I also manage some James social media and we see a lot of bad feedback about the episodes. That's bound to happen with an economist, especially, in econ- I I, I've grown up, I, Tyler, I'm, I'm from the area. I grew, I so Tyler's a professor at George Mason University, and that's the local, the closest university to my hometown. Like, see, I, I, I never know about Tyler Cohen until he came onto the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think last was it during the lockdown? Yeah, during the lockdown, he came on and talked about the the what the economics is gonna be. Yeah, yeah. So I like the episodes a lot because mainly what he talked about is what I care about: the futures of any cities. Mm-hmm. Not just New York City. I mean, he talks. We talk about New York. They talk about New York City as well, but mainly just any cities. Like, what happened if you know if people leave the city? So he did talk about like you know like the tax when the taxpayer leave New York City. Eventually, you won't have enough money for like you know the sanitations or law enforcement or this and that, and then you know it would just go like a downward spiral. Yeah, that really kind of echoes what James was saying about New York in general, and you know it's good to hear hear his take on this we we touched on that with phil stutz the last time phil was on the show and and james was talking about his negative sales tax kind of issue and and that platform got brought up again it's you know tyler had a much more compressed view of why that would work on a local platform than a national platform which makes sense but he seemed to be kind of within james view that that um without those tax bases that cities are gonna um it's just gonna uh fall apart right yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. He, because he said like short in short term, like it will, it will, it will help, but it's not gonna help in long term because mm-hmm. the tax revenue is just one of the problem that cities or New York cities or any cities uh, is facing. You know, there's uh, a city I mean, infrastructure city. problem that needs to be addressed with with dollars that is, that is going to outweigh the culture. Okay, and also, what do you think about work from home? I love working from home. Like right now, I'm fully working from home. You know, yep. James is not in. Yeah, you know, you're not not around my na- my neighborhood anymore, so I don't have to. And we do a lot of remote recording, mm-hmm. and I loved it. Like I love that I'm able to sit here, do the recording, and I'm like, oh, I need to do do laundry right now, and then I just go get laundry, and then I come back here, and the recording is still rolling. Hundred you know? percent. Yeah, back then it's like, oh, I have to dedicate five two hours just for laundry, you know, mm-hmm. because you have to like get it downstairs. Put it in there, wait for half an hour, and you can't do anything while you're waiting because anything you do is going to take more than half an hour. Come back upstairs, go back again, wait for another hour for it to dry. You know, it's like I I I rather do this during you know work from home time because you know I I have so much more time. Right. Well, I had come from a slightly different perspective because I had moved out of the city to a commuter town, a, a 
two-hour commuter rail away from NYC, but I had been living that lifestyle, hybrid working from home and going into the city for the past few years. So going fully remote, all of a sudden not paying $600 in, in commuting costs completely changed what we could spend money on in our local economy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy, and uh, and you know, uh, I think someone in the chat, uh, Brando Plains, said, "Yeah, way below the border, five percent taxes." Yeah, like Talika mentioned in the episodes, people are actually moving. Is it southwest or southeast? I can't remember. He said the southeast United States, the best place to end up yeah. in. So that would be Virginia over to Texas, right? So is what he's talking about in that area. Yeah. So Texas, Virginia. Yeah, because he any, he's anything from Virginia. In, yeah, yeah, our, our, yeah. Our friend saying South America on, on in the chat. Which <laughs> oh, is South ma- South America. <laughs> very South. Yeah, very, very South. Yeah, I'm actually looking to move. I mean, like I'm just shopping. I haven't mm-hmm. moved yet. I, I remember the last time we chat about the Choo Choo Town. You and I did, yeah. Chattanooga, yeah. Tennessee, Gig City. Chattanooga, yeah. But uh, I'm looking at Georgia right now because mm-hmm. apparently a lot, way too many people moving to Florida and Texas. So that. Yeah. Rents going up in you know Texas as well, so like Georgia is a second tier city that people are moving to right now. But doesn't and, Georgia have like lakes that eat people? Uh, what? It's lakes that eat people in Georgia. What? I think people just fall into the lake a lot, probably. <laughs> well, well, they because they drink too much, you know. Oh yeah. That's what happens when you drink too much. Uh, but yeah, so and it's it's kind of funny in the in the episode. It's also like because they talk about deflations. Uh, for whoever haven't ha- hasn't listened to the episode, it's episode seven hundred thirty one t- with Talakon. He talk about having a pet. It's also a form of deflation. He did talk about that. I completely yeah, I, forgot he said that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you agree with that. Like, I just got pet during the lockdown. Like, mm-hmm. I you before I got my I before I got my dog Damien. Um, I go out. Every day, every weekend, every night, go out and eat, drink, whatever. Not, since I have him, I don't think I have ever gone out for a while now. I've wow. only been out maybe like once a month or maybe twice a month. Not every weekend anymore. Yeah. I've been much less to begin with, but we adopted a dog um, during lockdown as well. So, right. yeah. The, the, do you like… Uh, the, 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 does it like… Do you have? Do you go out less now? I I was going at maybe even. I don't know if I could go out less than zero. I really these these small children of mine make me not want to go places in general. Right, right. I mean, you have children. I think. I think. I don't know about. I don't know if children is like deflation or if actually, you know, anything because like you don't really. If you have children, you, it's hard for you to go anywhere. I agree. If you have they young children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so like that episode is great. If um if you if you guys haven't listened to the episode uh yet, go back to listen to the episode, see the episodes pretty much talk about the future of crypto. Yeah, because Tyler Cohen also mentioned that crypto would be normal, but he doesn't see it as a currency. Yeah, he 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 see it as a, like a stock or institutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he did mention that like, you know, back like maybe hundreds of thousands of years ago, like stock it's no one believes in stock at all, and now it's like a normal thing. But um, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with him on that. Uh, right, right now it seems like a stock, but he did mention the price was too high, which kind of is happening right now. As today's recording, the cryptocurrency market went down two, three percent. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Ethereum went down like a lot more than two three percent, of course. Um, so I'm not right. sure. Right. Well, was the th- was the joke that we used in the preview? You said, oh yeah. You know when 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 something when when the value of the stock market drops twenty percent in the day, they call it Black Monday, and when it happens to Bitcoin, they call it Monday. Yep, they call it Monday. The episode is great because that happened every day. Like, like because yeah, that it's volatility yes, is insane. It's insane. Yesterday went up like two percent. Now dropped two percent. Yeah. Uh, back in I think back in the beginning of the year, Ethereum is like four thousand. Now back to like nineteen hundred or two thousand. Depends when you listen to this episode. So that's why, like you know, he think cryptocurrency it's more like a like a stocks that's useful because people can build stuff upon or on the platform. Like people can build stuff on top of like Bitcoin or build stuff on Ethereum network or Polygon network or right. this and that. Yeah. Yeah. He said he believed in Ethereum much more than Ether. Ethereum is definitely quicker than Bitcoin, but I heard they are fixing the issues. I, I don't really know what's going on. Uh, I'm not as well-versed in the space. I am just there for the meme coin and get scammed, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I I have a lot of Dogecoin. I have to say, I have a lot of Dogecoin, a lot of Elon Dogecoin, baby Dogecoin, a lot of like Shiba coin or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, because like for ten dollars, twenty dollars, you get a million of them. I'm like, eh. I just want to show that I'm memeing, you know. Uh, by the way, you this is not a much. yeah. This is not a finance <laughs> advice podcast, so don't follow my advice. You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just a regular producer producing show here and talk about meme coins and meme culture, which I love all the time. That's why I love. Uh, people hate. Elon Musk because he is billionaire. I love Elon Musk because of all the memes that he's putting out. So, yeah, <laughs> he's living life uh, to the fullest. I know, I know. Even if he's making people crazy, I know. Like everyone just writing to him I, because of you, I lost so much money. I'm like, uh, well, it's you can't blame him for that. You have to, you know, be smart when you invest. You can't put in a million dollars because you only have a million dollars. You know. Mm-hmm. Anyway. The other episodes I think I should mention is 728 with Josh Linger. The episode is great. Uh, it's not so much of a conversation episode. It's more like a technique or interview episodes because they talk about creativity a lot. One thing that in the episodes that I like a lot, I think Josh Linger said it is, every time you want to be better, you can't just aim to compete with other people. You have to compete with yourself. So like you always have to constantly come up with ideas that will put Six months ago, you out of business. Put your older self out of business. Yeah, that's my favorite quote out of the, the whole episodes. Because for me, I think when you come with new ideas, you don't want to just do it. You want to do it better than how you did it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like technique is one thing. Having discipline to be able to put yourself out of business is another thing. The constant reinvention is really… How do you know… How long to to focus on something before abandoning it for the next revision? Haha, that one you have to listen to the episodes with uh, Angela Duckworth. The three episodes with Angela Duckworth that we recorded last year, but I can't remember what number is that. I think what she she said in the podcast that was last year podcast, she did say that like how like you would know when you should quit. You know, one you don't believe in it anymore. Two, you don't have passion anymore. Three the hard work outweigh your passion. Like it's not fun anymore for you to do it. You know, some, like that tree is like a, one of the, uh, the tree is like one of the few big red flags that, yeah, you should quit right now so you wouldn't get screwed. Because like, it's so hard to put so much effort into one thing and then you try to pull out. 
So yeah, so like, I know it's hard to figure out when you when you should quit, but once you have no no passion in one thing anymore, you shouldn't force it anymore. It's just like in a relationship, right? Like if you're dating this person and then you're like, ah, uh, I I don't feel so too much about this person. You should just like, eh, you know, we should. I, I think we should just separate. We should just either break up or divorce or whatever you do. But you know, like who knows? You know, sometimes you just need a break. You know, once you have a break, you'll come back. You're like, okay, I have the power and the willpower uh, again, and then maybe you do it better than ever. Wow. Yeah. Some like deep relationship advice you just gave there. I you know. Start, you pivoted. I wish I could do that. You pivoted from product revisions to separating. I think. I think Jen Glenn's advocating for divorce a lot. <laughs> I know because on every episode she would talk about like you know like what you should do in your first year of marriage, blah blah blah, and then. Oh, hi, Jen Glenn's. Oh, Jen oh Glenn's, shit, Jen Glenn's is here. Yeah. So with Jen's episode, some of the recent episodes we had on Making You a Millionaire, the, the James Quandall and Jen Glantz episodes, to me, almost ended up reaching into really similar territory on the approaches they were going to try to take to test out different models, figure out what kind of pricing scheme and, and what kind of user base, what what services people want and how to add on and upsell. These two things came from really different starting points, but started to have kind of similar digital marketing strategies in, um, in how they were going to find ways to monetize. At some point, I really want to bring them all together because I think they actually can help each other out so much. Imagine, you know, you know Jen and James Quandell get together or even, even Paolo, like they can do like some sort of like an automated, you know, respond to the comment and sure. type of program for the newsletter or social media. Like there's so much idea to put out there too. You're being like part of their plus minus equal right now in these things. You're talking about live streaming with Jen. Now right. Jen is watching and commenting on our live stream while we're live streaming and talking about her episodes. Yeah. Um, Maybe she also, should be the moderator. She could be. And James Quandall, on on his uh, recent episode, he was talking about making a proof of concept for creating an Amazon store and using your failed James Altucher show merch store as as the proving ground for that. So you're being a plus on one and a minus on the other. Well, I, th- I feel like I'm more of I'm I'm more of the pen that write down the plus, minus, and equal. Mm-hmm. And more of like putting all them together. You know, like, yeah, I would give advice here and there. And yeah, sometimes I will, I will, I will involve in some of the equations, like a formula and stuff. But I'm still like the person just coordinating all this and make all this happen. Mm-hmm. You are the one making it all happen though. No one would have heard anything without your involvement. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because I really believe in this. I really believe in this series. And I really believe in all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even though even though James Quandell gave me like shit because he's like, Yeah, I heard I heard you bet on this. I heard you you you're voting for Jen Glenn's, not me. I'm like, Whoa. So now he's now he's doing better. So the other episodes that I really like, and everyone hated this episode. I can tell you everyone hated this episode. Everyone? Uh not everyone, but a lot of people hated this episode. Who it's hated the it? one uh seven 33 with Mike Rothschild. Mm-hmm. I put it on James' Twitter. So the, so the episode so what is happens? about… Everyone QAnon. loves QAnon? I don't know. Like, like people on the right bash us. People on the left bash us. You know, like, oh, you have no idea what you're talking about QAnon. QAnon is not something you can just join. I'm like, okay. And then people on the, people on the other side is like, 
well, let's look at all these two guys talk, talking about like they know everything. I'm like, well, that that's weird. Why? The, the episode is literally just put it out there and tell people why this happened and so it why got people way would more traction than it normally did. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, I for me, I think every publicity is good publicity. Mm-hmm. It's more about the exposure. If people like it, people like it. You know, people hate it, people hate it. But still, out there, you listen to it, you listen to the stories. This is a great segue to my next favorite episode. Is episode 732 with Joe Cahane. The episode is great. How to start conversations. I'm an introvert myself. And last year, it's been locked down for a year. I lost all the muscle to talk to strangers. I saw some good-looking lady on the street. I'm like, I want to talk to her. I go up there. I'm like, hi. They're like, hi. I'm like, great weather, isn't it? They're like, yeah. And I just walk away. Right. <laughs> that's, that's embarrassing. That's really embarrassing. Like, I don't know how to have small talks anymore. Well, Joe Hane can tell you that, you know, you the the weather talk is a very ritualistic part of uh, culture and, and bonds us to begin with. And then that makes us have a common ground from which we can build something further, even though a, a large portion of the population feels that it's just a name. Right. So, yeah, because he did mention that, like, you know, like, small talk is just a bonding ritual. Like, mm-hmm. you shouldn't, like, I know, like, I think he mentioned that some people hated small talk because they think it's dumb. They right. think it's like, they are not intellectual or whatever. So, like, like, like you mentioned, like, he did say that it's a bonding li- ritual, but it should it should involve uh, evolve from that, right. but there's also like a te- there's also techniques to do small talks, you know. Like you just you don't just do small talks, you know. That you you want to make it interesting and make it specific, like rather than saying, "Oh, this we- why do you think about the weather?" You should say, "Oh, yeah, this weather sucks. I I hope there's another blizzard soon, or I hope there's hurricane. This 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 weather is way too peaceful. Like mm-hmm. make it playful." So like people can bond. You're right. You you kind of you used a almost a yes and technique in in their yep. the improv to force, you know, really suggest that something else is a response other than agreement is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have to look at my notes. I have so much note on the episodes because I love the episodes so much. I love it because like I need it. I really need the episodes. Like I'm introvert myself. Like I really bad at talking to people. Like I'm bad at talking to you too. And I and a lot of people can. Apparently, a lot of people like know this. I speak way too fast. I listen to myself back, you know, because I have to do the uh, description and stuff. I, sp- I spoke way too fast. I'm like the the Chinese version of Eminem, but that's <laughs> him, you know. So I speak way too fast. So like, like, oh yeah, this is this is great. Like, what you should do in the party. This is great. Like, you always like people always think that they they stand up way too much in the in the party. But it's actually not because, like, you you didn't you didn't stand out as much as you think you did. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Everyone's self conscious. They they think that people are aware of all their movements because they're in a public space and they're and and people are very self aware. Is that what right. it is? Yep, people are being self aware and uh, and you know like like you just get too nervous. So how do you overcome that self-awareness and, and chill yourself back down to a level where, where you're not thinking you're more visible than others? When asked, is this from my perspective? Uh, or, yeah, uh, from Jay's perspective. From Jay's perspective, drink more alcohol, get more, get more wine. <laughs> Again, yourself loosen up. That it happens. loosens you up. 
yeah, that actually happened. Uh, so like a lot of time, like when I'm in the party, I usually get myself two shots first. And does that help you? Do you feel like you make better small talk or do you get away from small talk? What's, how does it change you? It make me smarter. And do your gut? Yep. <laughs> do the yep. other? It, do, you other do, do your um, speaking companions feel that you're getting smarter? Uh, no, I didn't think she, they think I'm smarter. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm sort of like tipsy then, so like I don't know if they actually make that actually make it a little bit smarter. But like I loosen myself up a little bit more, and I don't think about anything. Right. So the filter comes off. Yeah, the filter comes off. So uh, we have a special guest today. I'm like, maybe we need some flair on this episode. So I invited Jen's Glenn's on. I'm so excited to be here. I, I've, I'm learning Twitch as I go. And this is so cool to see how you're doing it through Zoom and streaming it. It's just, it's fascinating. Very cool stuff. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to do right now. So, so as people are look, uh, watching right now, uh, what I'm doing right now, is I'm actually adding a new layout that I actually did yesterday. And then I trying to fit all our camera into there. So that's why you see like all this crazy layout going on. And I'm trying to figure out which is which. So if you're on, uh, I don't know if you see it live right now. I'm going to see it. Yes. <laughs> Run the plan says good left or right, Jen, then we can see your face. Yeah, you're like right yeah. in the middle. <laughs> yeah, but you, you you can you can be you can be you can be where you are right now for for now because I'm trying to fix everything, you know, like Jay, good old Jay trying to fix everything, you know. So, Jen, have you been uh, listening to the podcast at all? I have. I haven't listened to my episode that came out today because I'm I'm just I'm waiting. I'm giving it some time to sink in. But I've been listening to some episodes. I'm about to listen to actually the QAnon episode, which I thought was going to be fascinating. But then hearing that there was a lot of interesting feedback about it makes me want to listen to it even more. So that's actually on my list to listen to. That's great. So do you, do you have any favorite episodes this time around? I mean… Yeah, you know what episode really stuck with me? I don't remember the person's name, but it was the one about finances and how rich people hide their money. <gasps> oh yeah, the the oh, air. Yeah, the Oscar Mayer. It's fascinating yeah. that these people have a team of people whose job it is is to get them to pay less taxes and to protect the money and to do yeah, all the of these loopholes. That was fascinating to me because like, that's a look into a world that I may, probably will never have access to, but I'm always so curious about. Wait, what do you mean by you didn't have access to? You're about to make a million dollars. Well, you soon will have access. First of all, I hope. But second of all, these people have billions of dollars. And it's just so fascinating how they have a team of people who, you know, the financial, the wealth lawyers and learning about that process. And it's just interesting. And it also made me, made me upset because I feel like the average person spends so much money following the rules, paying the taxes, using the average accountants, but all of these really rich people have teams of people who are finding loopholes, writing these laws. And I just listening to that episode, I, my mind was blown. I was telling everyone I know all of this information and it was, it was one of the best episodes I'd heard in a while. Here's a personal example from, from me that is on a much, much smaller scale, but it blew me away. My wife and I, we bought a house three and a half years ago in the Hudson Valley. And during the pandemic, 
Dutchess County, where I live, and Ulster County right next to us, the prices just skyrocketed more than basically anywhere else in the in the New York metro area. And all of a sudden, the equity on our house, we hadn't paid any more money, but our equity shot up $100,000, $150,000 just because the home values are more expensive. Now, me having property, not putting in any more money, just me having access to that equity that now exists gave me access to take out a line of credit at a much lower rate. Or like if I wanted to take out money from my 401k, I put that was my money. I've been putting that money away. If I want to take out a loan against that, I'm taking a loan against my own self at a much lower rate and I pay myself back the interest. And these tools are available to me because I'm in this situation, but just access to easy money inexpensive uh, interest rates and things. And the higher you go, the more it happens where it's just like, you can just use your, I was talking to Kamal Ravikant and uh, um, somebody else about it. And they were saying how you can get unlimited money to buy essentially Bitcoin, right? You can take out that and just put it into something that that's inflating so much more than, than what you would have to pay back on your, on your loaned amount. At that point, I was thinking like, wow, that's leagues above my financial state as somebody who can be paycheck to paycheck on occasion, um, depending on if we have a kid in the emergency room or something. But then also realizing that I was in this elevated financial state simply by a bank telling me my property is worth more. Now I can get money cheaper. And I was like, oh, that didn't exist even for myself three years ago before I was a homeowner. And these are all legal things and they're good things and they're ways that are built around improvement, right? You want to be able to do that because it's prosperity and that's an open market. But it's like, what? I didn't fucking know that before I was a homeowner. I could have known that. And yet I didn't because what? I don't know. Yeah. But Nathan, you're, you're so right. And I feel like so much about finances is kept so secret until you move to a different level until you, or you have someone who has access to a different level and teaches you that. But I feel like finance in general and opportunities, it's secret. It's so hush hush on -hmm. so many levels. And I think that, you know, there's no fairness in anything, but there's certainly no fairness in finances. And I I was reading an article recently about how Peter Thiel was able to take, was it like $2,000 in his 401k and make it millions and whether the average person could do something like that. It's just, it's fascinating. There's sets of rules that some people follow and other people follow other rules. Well, I mean, I mean, if you think about it, all that, all that, all that rules was actually implemented by people with money. Yep. Like the reason why they come with the rule because they want to hide more money. Right. You know, it's not, it's not about helping people. For them, it's just like they want to really hide all the money. Which is so fascinating. But yeah. Uh, do you have any other favorite episodes? Oh, well, not for the past few weeks. I've been going down. I've been going back a little bit. But I loved the one about how to have impossible conversations. That one oh. I took a lot of notes on because like probably everyone, you have groups of friends in your life right now who have different opinions than you, but extreme opinions than you on certain things, whether it's the vaccine right. or the pandemic or anything. And I have people in my life who have like extreme different opinions than I do on some stuff. And when I get together with them, it turns from a conversation to an argument. And I am somebody who... I could be a little too emotional. I could raise my voice. So when I was listening to that episode, I took all of these notes in my phone and I was rehearsing a lot of those, those phrases before a conversation. So I learned a lot from that episode. Right. So just to, just to mention it on the, on the podcast here, the episode is from 724, How to Have Impossible Conversation When Facts Don't Matter with Peter Bokoshin. Yeah, I love the episodes too because like, 
I don't know if you guys know, but I can't have any political voice in this country at all because I'm not, you know, I'm not residents or I'm not, I'm residents, but I'm not a citizen. So I, I don't look at the, this, the political games like as a policy way, but I look at like more, more like a social experiment way. Like why does this person disagree with this, but at the same time agree with this? Mm. You know, why this, pers- this person disagree with this thing, also disagree with this thing? Why yeah. this party is just like, it's just like there's no a la carte menu on the restaurant. It's all combo. It's like you go to an American Chinese restaurant. It's like you can you can order like chow mein by itself or kung pao chicken by itself. You have to order the whole big chef combo plate. You know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get bashed tomorrow. Like, look, that Jay guy I have no idea what he's talking about. No, but I feel like it's hard to have conversations with people about a lot of things these days because if someone has a different viewpoint than you, a lot of people are very quick to shut you down to get angry yeah. at you, to get frustrated with you, to not have those open conversations. And while yeah. I, I, I love that episode because he gave me a lot of great ways to open people's minds, to question them without questioning them so directly. You know, like I wrote down on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you in that? <laughs> um, how do you know that? You know, what am I missing to get me there? Just, just language that I needed to really model off of because sometimes I don't know how to handle myself in those situations. So any podcast episode where I can find things that are almost a script to integrate into my life, I find so helpful. And that was one of them. Yeah. And also I think he did mention that like people doesn't want their mind to be changed. Yeah. They don't want your opinion. They just want to be heard. They just want to be right. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. Jordan Harbinger said yeah. that before as well. That was last year episodes. So how do you listen to all this episode? Do you actually write down notes? I don't know if you if people actually write down notes on podcast episodes. I do. I write down a lot of the notes in my phone and will refer back to them just so that I feel like I got something out of the episode. Because if not, I feel like right. you listen to it and maybe you you miss certain points. Some of these episodes you take away so much. I mean, even the ones for Make You a Millionaire, I find that James will say a tool or something to try out that I've never heard before. So I, I find myself taking notes. A good idea that somebody should do is to create a Substack newsletter where every week they recap James's podcast with like the top, the best points. That's the company podcast supposed to be, but it involved to <laughs> I just ranting. Right. Okay, you know, but you we should, just evolve. Someone should put it in a newsletter because some people, you know, they don't want to listen to another. They want to listen to it, read the newsletter. And I'm all about the newsletters digest. these days. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, so, okay. I have, I have a curious question. You have been on the Millionaire series for like what six episodes now? Yeah, like quite even a though lot. we only released two. Yeah. Yep. So, what are your experience? Like, okay, so we only released two episodes, so don't give too much spoilers away. I know. I sort of don't want to show my T-shirt because I made a T-shirt with one of the things that I am working on, but it's not. I don't think we talked about it yet in episode two. Well, but the thing is, you already post a picture on. Oh, uh, true. Post a T-shirt on the Instagram already, so <laughs> might as well. Okay, so I'm wearing a t-shirt with one of the newsletters I started. It says, married, now what? And then it has the domain name, thefirstyearsofmarriage.com. That's one of many things I'm building with James's help and knowledge. My experience so far has been incredible, but it's been exhausting. I say that because incredible Mm -hmm. in the sense that it's gotten me to think in so many different ways. I think the 10 ideas a day, while you hear James say that all of the time, Once you start doing it, it's a game changer. And I think it makes me an endless source of ideas for myself, but for other people. 
every time someone asks me a question, I answer it in 10, with 10 suggestions and it just helps my brain wow. think. Um, well, if I'm not mistaken, you just started doing it after the first episodes, right? You, yeah, you, yeah. You had been doing it before? I've, I mean, I've, I've heard him say it for years and you know, I've heard him say it in books before. I heard him say it on podcasts, but I never personally did it. But I think when right. he asked me to make idea lists, then I started just making this a practice for everything. And it's been, it's been great. I mean, I think um, it's been great even when I'm working on, on things for James, for my ideas, it's just to sort of break everything down into idea lists. But I think I was at a point in my life where on paper, I look successful. I've got a lot of businesses. I publish books. I have a podcast, but I feel like a mess and I feel stuck and I feel like I'm not going anywhere. And I think working with James has completely shifted that mindset. He's one of the right. only people in my life who doesn't think everything I'm doing is exhausting and instead thinks that people oh, wow. should be doing multiple things and trying multiple right. things. And as you right. hear our episodes, you'll see that we're not trying one thing. We're doing multiple things. Some things sort of tie into each other. They sort of don't. Right. But that's been good for me to hear because a lot of people in my life have told me, pick one thing and stick with it. But that's not really who I am. Um, and it's been exhausting because it's, it's a lot of work. And James doesn't really give me work, but I give myself work. So I will have my episodes with him and then I'll make a list of like a ton of things I'm going to do between the next time we talk. And I try to do all of them. So I'm putting so much work into this, but I'm loving it. Some of the ideas we're working on make me so right. excited and I haven't felt Wait, like this. See, you, you, you mentioned your husband a lot in the, in the podcast. Yeah. Like, does your husband find you exhausting? That's a good question. <laughs> it depends on the day. You know, I don't think he does. I actually don't think he does. But here's the problem we have. And this is an ongoing problem. We're currently fighting about it. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Inside scoop. Inside I'm hoping scoop. he can't hear. Ding, ding, but ding. I do so much that he can't keep up with it. And I'm always like, well, why aren't you asking me about this or this? Or why didn't you read this? And, he, and like the truth is, it's probably because I'm putting out so much and I'm doing so much that I can't expect anyone to keep up with it, let alone him. But I don't think he right. finds me exhausting because I think he also has that entrepreneurial spirit. Um, mm -hmm. But I think everyone else in my life, even recently, like last week, I was sharing with someone I'm working on, cut me on and he said, you are so exhausting. And I found that to be what? offensive. And I was taken back because this was a person I sort of looked up to. They are, um, they, they're CEO of a big company, very successful company. Right. And they called me exhausting. And I think maybe I, I worry that exhausting is another word for all over the place. And that's why I'm getting self-conscious about that word. Maybe, yeah. maybe the, maybe what you are is novel and what they are is traditional. Right. Maybe you're too modern. This is that. good therapy. Thank you, Nathan. I know. Nathan with the with the wise. That's why it's Nathan the mysterious, you know? I like that. I didn't yeah, choose that name. Everyone's names here. I, I chose it for so Nathan. Sorry. Well, so so uh, you know, I not to bombard you with all the questions, but um, I think I was, I don't know if you, you were here earlier. So James Quandell mentioned that, that that makes you a millionaire episodes, like series are not just like making you a millionaire. It's more for him. It's more of having a mentor, life mentor. Yeah. Or like, like Nathan, what do you say? Like, what's the word that you use? Um, active uh, learning. Or the, active learning and uh, account, the, accountability. Accountability partner. partner. Yeah. 
Yeah, like I don't know if you feel that way too. I totally do. I think, you know, I've been talking to James pretty much almost every week. Sometimes there's two weeks between. And it's good to have that deadline. Like I know I have a ton of stuff to do and it's going to take me more than a day. So knowing that I'm speaking to him Wednesday gives me just so much accountability. I also, you know, even I remember like one of the parts of Skip the Line that I loved was if you have a mentor or, you know, a client or whatever it is, like um, don't over promise, under promise, over deliver. Like, Overpromise, over deliver. Over-deliver. And that's what I'm trying to do with James's time is he's gracious enough to have me. I'm trying to come so prepared and show like I've done X, Y, and Z. Let's keep moving things forward. So for me, it's been like taking this so a little too seriously. And also I'm the accountability of it means everything because as a solopreneur, especially too, I don't have people to bounce ideas off of. I'm somebody who I don't really have like a network of people to talk to. I'm very private, which is ironic that I'm doing this podcast. Really? Yeah. Like a lot of people in my life don't know what's going on. And even some of the things I've said on the podcast, people in my life don't know. So I think that that's been cool too, to push myself to open up and say like, hey, here's everything um, to million, to people who listen to the show, to strangers. Wow. That's that's fascinating because like, uh, I think, I think you are right in a way that like, if you are, um, like for me as well, like I haven't talked to my parents for, for like six months or seven months now. So like they don't know much about me, but I did share most of my stuff online. Yeah. Like how I got scammed and how I got into all this crazy trouble and how I'm very Asian to other people. No, I'm just joking. The last <laughs> part was joking. Yeah. So like like we tend to share more when, you know, when we don't share enough with our friends. I don't know that, I, do, I don't know Nathan, you are that way because Nathan is very private online. Mm. Like I didn't, I don't know if, I don't know if I see Nathan on any social media at all. No, I'm not right now. I don't have a public account on social media. I Yeah. You know, I don't mind talking. I love to speak. Mm. Um, but I hate initiating. Um, I have I have a very small group of close friends and I don't while I know they are always there for me, I don't want to be exhausting emotionally to people. Yeah. Um I don't want to be the one who's always asking for others to listen to me. I'd rather I'd rather be a listener, which is something that helps me empathize because I have a problem closing my mouth when I open it. Oh, really? Sometimes that's I why do. we talked about so much. Yeah. Well, I I I never know that. That's that that's great for me. Uh, I think I'm just too nervous, mm-hmm. and then a lot of time. That's why I speak so fast because. I want to slur so that people don't think I'm dumb. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to get away with my sl- with my slurring. I am the opposite of both in the sense that I am so private to the people who know me, but I'm so public to the people who don't know me. And I think maybe it's a combination of both. Mm-hmm. I don't want to overwhelm people. I don't want to ask people to be there for me emotionally. And I, you know, I don't know. I, I've always been like that. I've actually lost friends over the years because of my online presence versus my real life presence. Oh, no. Yeah. People who well, have said, like, I don't know what's going on with you unless I check your Instagram, Jen, and things like that. And it's not anything that I'm trying to do, but purposely, but and easier to show online times or the stranger and tell them my life story than to tell a best friend what I'm working on. I, right. I hear I hear exactly where you're coming from and and part of that is how you is the all three of us being um 
we are work in novel industries and we have a we currently the three of us are podcast hosts we are people you have like you're a media figure in and of yourself we're all media figures in and of ourselves now um right why don't i don't have a social media presence <clears throat> because i wasn't building that for myself as a person as nathan rosborough i didn't feel the need to tweet but um nathan as as a person as the the mix engineer and james longtime producer and um audiobook production manager at HarperCollins and figure co-host of this um, show that has a already has an existing network of, you know, a million listeners. That's a different spot to be in. I'm talking about something. People know what I'm talking about. And we're talking, we're talking on brand, even if we relate personally, just like you're Jen Glantz, you know, the bridesmaid for hire. Yeah. Like, you, like that's what your entire presence is about. And you being a solopreneur makes you want to focus on that because that's it's you, your identity is tied up in your your marketing, your income. Yeah, it's hard to switch modes. Yeah, and also I can't believe you lose friends over your online presence. That's such a weird thing. I felt like I gained more friends because of my online presence. Maybe, I mean, maybe you gain more people who are, in, I know I've gained more people who are interested in being my friend, right, but like right, very right. close friends have said, look, you don't tell me things. I find out on Twitter or Instagram, like this, it's a tough, it's tough to be my friend. And I say that often right. because I've got a lot going on. So I'm always asking people to support me and, you know, I have a lot going on and I sometimes don't tell everyone everything. So you know, I've had to make a conscious effort even before I released like this newsletter, before I posted about it online, even before I went on the podcast, I texted all of my friends individually to tell them about the experience before they saw it online. But you're right. I think in my case, I've, I've, I've been a personal brand more than a human being. So when I show up online, right. I'm Jen Glantz, the personal brand with all these different mm -hmm. things going on. In person, I'm Jen Glantz, the human, and there's a lot of sides to me and they don't all show up online. So I think people who yeah. really know me maybe have a problem with that or um, have to ignore the online presence of that. You know, I have some friends that are like, right. I, I just mute you on Instagram because okay. you're a lot and it's not, right. you know, and I'm like, I respect that too. So yeah, I think it's complicated. You need a better friend. That's what I did for James. <laughs> I, I unsubscribed from all of James mailing lists at one point. I'm just like, your, yeah. your James brand inundates me all day long. And then I, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I, I only like, yeah, there's no, yeah. Right. Anyway, you yeah. can't read all the I stuff, do. listen to all the podcasts, produce it, be behind the scenes. It's just, it's too right. much. Yeah. It's already yeah. like that time consuming. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I do that too. Like some, some friends that just way too promo ish. I just, I usually just mute them. Well, the thing is, I don't mute person that, that promotes their own brand. I mute person that, that promote their mm. own agenda politically. Gotcha. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, the thing is, For like, sure. well, I, I know this is, this sounds. This is gonna sound really bad. You might have to edit this out, but I'm just gonna say it on the last year. Having a political beliefs is like having a reproductive organ. Mm. Everyone has one, but you don't shove it in other people's face. Yes. You know, like you. I can. I. I would know about it. You, you talk to me about it. It's totally fine. But you don't have to shove it in my face. Yeah. You know. So I, I don't know how offensive this is going to be, but uh, that's just my opinion. That's sort of what social media has become in the last couple of years. Is you know, it's also people spreading misinformation because they're just respreading what their friends are spreading and they don't even they don't even realize it. But Nathan, I'm curious because you sort of said you you don't really reach out to people, you listen to people. What mm -hmm. what would what would it take for you to call a friend or reach out to a friend and, and vent to them, let's say? 
often my the people I can talk to the most about it are also in a similar situation. Like they're also a professional about the same age who have young children and are going through the same shit. I try to do it in person. I try we try to set aside time and be like, let's go meet up and we can just have a, a catch up session where we can talk for hours instead of I don't I like I hate doing it on the phone. And that's that, I used to talk on the phone more, but everyone talks on the phone less in this. Um, we don't need to make phone calls anymore to to people text because it's easier. It's just like you don't need all the pleasantries. So I feel like if I'm going to get on the phone with somebody or, or use my voice to communicate, it's going to be long. And I'd rather have that time set aside instead of being like, not. I don't want to catch somebody off guard and like take their whole day and just be like, I need you right now. I right. I have a therapist and I can reach out to her. And you know, yeah. no, really, yeah. That's how I feel. It's like I pay for a therapist yeah. and she's awesome and I can text her whenever I need and she'll get back to me if I'm in a crisis. And a friend, I don't, I don't always need to uh, do that. Or I, hopefully, I'm not in that many crises. Yeah, I feel like people should eliminate the phone call in at all. Like if you're not, if you're not calling. Uh, customer service and be a Karen. I don't think you should. You should. <laughs> <laughs> you should be on a phone call at all. Mm-hmm. You know, a phone call should be like something that we complain or inquiries. Like, yeah, because like, I felt like text. It's way easier because I can formulate my thought. You know, like if we have to talk, we should just talk in person. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't talk on a phone. Like it's like if I want to break up with you, I don't break up with you on a phone. Break up with you in a person. I don't know. I'm trying so hard to get into phone calls. I'm making it a point. But here's how awkward it is. I will text a friend and say, hey, Sarah, when are you available for a phone call this month? And this is a best friend. And then we'll schedule it. I'll put it on my calendar. You know, but it's like, I'm just trying so hard for that because so many of my friends moved out of New York and I'm not the best texter. And I want to, I really, really want to get better at building relationships and, and keeping friendships. So now I'm in this phase where I'm really trying hard to make phone calls a thing. Plus they're so awkward because you're, just, you know, and it's just, yeah, phone calls. You're right. We should do away with them. I agree. But then what we do zoom calls with friends and I've done those too. And those feel. Well, zoom call, at least you can see the person or FaceTime, but not those FaceTime on the street that people are like, Oh, chatting on the street on FaceTime. Those, those, right. those are the words. Yeah. It's like, like Brun, Brun the plan sale, say it right. Like in sales, try only video calling. Yeah. Oh, that's actually really smart. But I don't know if anyone want to do video calling on the, on the, on the sales. I don't want them to see my face, you know, Facebook have, has your, all your information. So they have your face in there too. So. <laughs> So just curious, I, I just wanted to circle all back. Uh, so if I just say like, what's your favorite episodes all time? Which one did pop in your mind? I guess I first learned about Amy Morin. I think that's how you say her last name mm-hmm. on James's show. And I think I learned yeah. about her on James's show, listened to the episode, bought the book, contacted her, had her on my podcast actually. And I just, oh, wow. I just, I loved her 13 tips about mental strength. I just... I, I took to that a lot. So I, I loved that. I'm also, this is so random, but I'm like a really big Tim Dillon fan. And <laughs> oh, he's like my favorite. Oh. <laughs> I never really admitted this publicly, but he's my one of my favorite people. And I listened to his episode actually recently with James. I was like, has James ever had him on? And yes, he has last he does, January. Yeah. So I listened yeah. to that. And that one was fantastic. 
Um, oh man, there's so many. I've been listening to James's podcast for for so many years, and really? oh, forever, forever. Wait, when do you when do you start listening? Probably. We all know each other back in the day, right? You've yeah. known each other for a few years. I actually saw Ooh. that I had tweeted him in 2012 or 2013. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, I've met him like a couple times in person, sort of in passing. One time, I ran into him at South by Southwest, and I was so nervous to say hi because I wasn't sure if he was going to remember me. So I walked right. up. I was like. I'm Jen Glance, the bridesmaid for a hire. He he remembered me, but I was so awkward. See, I think James just say yes. Yeah, anyway, you know, it's not like you remember, you just say yes anyway. And then slowly jog his memory, you know, like 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 that's like, like hidden like creature in his hair. You yeah. know, yeah, it's like hidden creature in his hair trying to pull out all the memory, you know, yeah. all this stuff. It wasn't sure if yeah. he really remembered me, but I, I he made me feel happy and… um yeah, but I've been listening to his podcast for a while. I don't, I can't remember how I found out about him. This was so long ago, but I think I've been just like consuming his content since 2012, 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a long yeah, time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I am so stubborn that I don't listen to many people's advice, but I listen to James' advice for many reasons. But I think his advice is very in line with what a person like me needs to hear. Right. Yeah, because like a lot of time when you follow someone, it's not because they are great. It's it's like when and where you need to hear it. It's like like finding the right spouse, like the time locations and yeah. is it time location and one more thing, but I can't remember. Oh, I wonder what the third thing is. Is it timing? Is it just timing and locations? Maybe mental, like where you are in life. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I mean, you're both married. You both should know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna make this oh, a, a newsletter. I'm waiting topic. until the newsletter comes. Yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're gonna interview Nathan. Hey, Nathan. You know, like, how how do you meet your met your wife? You know, and all this stuff. Like, do you still love her? Oh, inside scoop. Seriously. Yeah. My wife and I were set up on a blind date by our mutual best friend, unknown. That we were mutual best friends at the time, unknown that we we're going on a blind date on New Year's Eve, December thirty first, two thousand five. What we had, is that the first kiss? Do you guys kiss? We did, but that was the <gasps> first we met each other that day. And I did. We had each made plans to spend New Year's Eve with him. I was. We were both in college. She was twenty one, and I was twenty. And I was in college in Boston, at Berkeley College of Music, and she was take, uh, in college in um, Northern Virginia, where we're both from originally, and. We uh, made plans to set to hang out with our best friend, and he got us together. He said, "Oh yeah, meet me at my at my friend Dara's apartment." And so I showed up there, and then he kind of ditched us um, once he knew we oh. were together. But first, we he took us to a party with his future husband, who he was going on. So it was a it was a whole it was a whole thing. A lot wow. of relationships were made that night. Wait, so when you first met your wife that night. Were there any clear signs in that moment that this was something different, special? Like what, what, what did you feel in that first interaction? She says the minute we saw each other, she knew we were going to get married. Wow. Why did she, how did she know that? Just felt I, it? I, she said she just felt it. Our relationship began that night, and we had a long-distance relationship for wow. about a year and a half at the beginning while I was... Um, I had graduated college and moved to New York to start my career, and she was right. finishing. She had one more year of school to moving in together to immediately cohabitating. Halloween 2008, and we've been together ever since. That's a great uh, story. That's a great movie, right? Yeah. yeah. 
meeting meeting on New Year's Eve and then going your separate way. (laughs) That's a great move. What did you think of the first year of marriage? Did you think anything changed? The first year of marriage, a lot of, we got married. We didn't want kids. Mm. We had had that, both held that idea. And we were living, we were living in Greenpoint at the time in a, in a, um, in a railroad one bed. My wife had been working sales retail in Midtown at a custom art framing for at a huge place for big corporate clients. The company downsized because they eventually went out of business, and she was one of the more recent junior hires in that. So she left her job and didn't return. Mm-hmm. So that was a big change. Yep. Um, we changed location from Greenpoint, which had become unaffordable on a single income. Mm-hmm. We moved to the south of Brooklyn, where it was much less expensive at the time. There were single family homes all over the place and there were families and there was park and it was like, it felt like uh, all of a sudden. So there was a lot of things changing. There was a, there was a location change. Mm. There was a job change. There was mm. a change to both of us hormonally yeah. after seeing families happy with kids as opposed to living in a neighborhood where we could hear our um, next door neighbors screaming at his children through the wall all day long. Different vibes, you know? So every, everything changed. Wow. Wow. Um and now you have a puppy too. And now we have a puppy too. A puppy, a house. We left the city. All, all the, uh, I feel in in many ways, it, I I ended up following a very traditional path. Um, being a person in their mid thirty, like I have this, but I also work a, you know, mid level corporate job. Yeah. Um, right. I moved out of the city. I bought a house. I live in a cool town. Yep. I live in I live right down the street from where where James is uh, like his his daughter's graduated high school in the town next to me. It's like you know, I followed a very James path in a lot of ways, but I I listened to all the stuff he said that was wrong, but I and I followed it ten years behind anyway. So we'll see we'll see what. Uh, yeah, it's always great to listen to story like this make me like want to get married, but like it's weird for me because I don't know why somehow for me I think marriage for me just me just myself. Marriage is like a funeral, but with cake. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you saw a lot. You know, marriage is just uh, the combinations of taxes. Uh, by the way, that I quoted from uh, Rick and Morty shows. Yeah. So like I, maybe I just haven't, I don't know. Maybe I just don't believe in love at all. Maybe I got hurt before. I I, I don't know. You know, like, like I just never know what happens after marriage. Like my brother is married when he was 24. My sister's married when... She was like 26, 27. So they were very young when they got married, you know. And, and I just like, I, will, you be, will you really be able to stuck with just one person your whole life? You know, and marriage, it's, for, it's almost like just, just a paper. And the only benefit is just the, the, the combinations of your taxes. Like people marry just for taxes reason. That's why I heard, you know. So like maybe that made me lose confidence in marriage, maybe. Yeah, like I know it sounds weird because like I come from you know Asia, uh, Southeast Asia. That should be like the the thing that we should always think about, like get married and have children, and lives on. You know, but I don't know. I don't know. I just haven't. I don't know. I don't even have an answer to this, even though I should, just because I've seen all sides of it. Yeah. But I think even myself, recently married, can feel like what is the point of marriage? And you can argue both sides. There's a thousand points other than like the legal aspects of it, but then there's also a thousand points not to get married. And I think, I think people get married for so many reasons. Love is only one. It's usually because love and 
or it's just the and and there's no love. But I, I right. you know, I, I think it's an interesting concept. I think a lot of people try to tell you nothing changes when you get married, but the truth is so much changes. And a lot right. of that change can happen in so many different categories, things that happen in life, whether a pandemic, a move, a career change, one person gets laid off, emotions change, hormones change. So I do think there is like a lot of things that change, even when you simply sign on the dotted line. Uh, nobody talks right. about that. You know, there's people no. who talk about how to date, how to get, you know, a plan, a wedding, how to get divorced, how to have a funeral, but nobody talks about what to do after you get married. Right. That's why your you, that's why your newsletter is great. The first year of marriage, yeah. and also like I think people doesn't want to talk about it mainly because of ego. Like like I think you mentioned it in the first episodes of the Millionaire series or the second episodes. Like people doesn't want to talk about it because they scare people judge them. I remember you share a story about the the they got married and this la- this girl or this lady still text the boyfriend. Apparently they were together because the guy was yep. gay. Yep. Or something, right? Yeah. yeah, I remember you. Yeah, mentioned that like that. That could be one of the reasons, yeah. but that, but that's like a weird reason to get married. Like, what happened? What happened then? Like, what happened after that? Like, if she found a lover or she found another lover, did they get divorced or did they get second marriage? Because as far as I know, Christianity only let you have one wife and one husband. Yeah. Or one spouse. Uh, I mean, Muslim is a little bit different. I think you can have up to four. Yeah. Yeah, so what happened then? But it's like your whole life, you've been trained not to think about what happens. Like, I feel like every fairy tale, the princess marries the prince and then the story ends. Yeah. It's like nobody hears about like no. what happens after that. And I think, yeah. you know, I'm I'm obviously so passionate about this topic because I am going through that. I literally got married two, three months ago. And I think I just felt not unprepared, but lied to. Nobody was talking about any of the things we should care about. No one was talking about finances or whether to get a prenum or, um, you know, like all of the different things that change. But I also think a lot of people are scared to admit that their marriage isn't working or what they thought it was or going as planned or feeling as great as it should be. I mean, people will literally come up to me like, isn't marriage so great? You guys must be so happy you're married. When are you having kids? Like people ask you these like humongous questions that you're supposed to smile and agree with and... I refuse to, you know, I'm like, marriage is interesting. It's definitely interesting. And having kids, like, please don't ask that, you know? So, but I yeah. just think like, we're so trained to ask people these certain questions and to, to not, you know, be so open about problems in relationships. It is because like in my culture, uh, every time I talk to my parents, my, my, my siblings, the first thing they ask, oh, do you have a girlfriend? When are you getting married? Yeah. Are you going to have kids soon? When, I, when I'm going to have like my grandson or my grandchild or my uh, my niece and nephew, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I ha- you have one grand- grandchild right here. Yeah. It's just a fluffy grandchild that walks on four legs. But I, I also feel like so many people validate you and success in life based on those milestones. Yeah. Did you graduate college? Great. Did you get married? Great. Are you having a kid? Great. Like I remember like I posted, let's say on Facebook that I, my book was published by Simon and Schuster many years ago. And then um, like a year later, I posted that I got engaged. More people cared about me getting engaged than my book. And I'm sorry, but I don't consider me meeting Adam and getting engaged an accomplishment. I consider it a part of my life. Me writing a book, which feels like running a triathlon, like mm-hmm. that right. to me, I wish more people cared. Or like me starting a business, getting my I own income. Too. Thank you, Nathan. But like the average person 
No, the average person doesn't work at a book publisher. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, you get it completely. But like, you know, the average person validates you on these, these traditional life milestones. And it makes people feel bad if they're in a bad marriage or they're in an unhappy marriage. They're scared sometimes to come out about that because they're scared people are going to judge that or they don't want kids. They're scared to admit that. So, you know, I just feel like more people need to know that. And also more people need to know that maybe like, I don't think, I'm sorry, this might be offensive and I'm sorry, but I don't think marriage is an accomplishment. I don't think it's worthy of congratulations. I think it's awesome that people met somebody and they're doing this, but I don't consider that like a success. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Nathan. We just shut down your whole <laughs> romantic story. <laughs> no, okay. but like I'm coming at this from someone who is married too. Like marriage is, you know, but like situations keep changing. Like what happens when you have two kids and all the and you expected them to go to school and all of a sudden their first grade classroom is the room that was your office and you work from home. What do you do now? How is that going to affect things? What are you going to realize over all that time? So isn't marriage yeah. just one person now and now involving more characters into their story and trying to write that story? Like that's sort of marriage. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I don't know if you saw the chat, but the the uh, Brian the Plants did mention that like he wondered if that like the ideas of accomplishments is stem from dowries. I don't even know what dowry is. Oh, oh yeah, the transfer of parental property and gifts and stuff. It could, I think it could be because, uh, like okay, so marriage is so different. Like in age in Asian culture, man is the one they have to like sort of pay for the wife. Like we have to give money and gifts to the to the female side yeah. or, or the other side. Um, I'm not I, I don't know how the same sex uh marriage works right now. I, I don't really know. But on Western, I think female side is the one they have to pay most of the stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, or, I feel like maybe it stems from dowries, but like traditionally the females um parents will pay for the wedding, but that's not so much yeah. anymore. But yeah, maybe that stems yeah. from like old school traditions but you know even if you break down every aspect of a traditional wedding which i'm not judging at all but every aspect of a traditional wedding the meaning from it it comes from like all of these very old school thought processes like why the bride wears white if more people knew the truth behind that i just wonder if they would want any of that yeah yeah maybe that should be your next newsletter (laughs) jen glenn's ruined weddings yeah yeah Man. I mean, like, that's what I know I'm in the wedding industry, but I always say that I am not, I don't like weddings. I don't like the wedding industry. I like my job because it has to deal with people and strangers and things like that. But my, my goal, I guess, in life is always to have people question what they're doing. And if that's what they want, great. But like, you know, question the wedding, question marriage, question your first years of marriage, like question your life. Because um, I think a lot of people are lying to you. Social media adds to those lies. I mean, you see happy people on social media. Like, I think there's just a lot going on that we need to question. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think, you know, like, this is great. Uh, having Jens Lens on. <laughs> Wait, before before we, you know, we, we wrap everything up, uh, where people can find you? This awesome. I learned this from James. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also promote your newsletter as well. Like, people should follow Jen Glenn's uh, journey on the Mix Your Millionaire on the James Hutterger show because it's great. Like, that's what she talks about. And you can, like, she has a very clear journey that you can follow. You know, like, she did this and then the episode, she did this, 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 this. So, th- it's great. 
So like, yeah, tell people where people can find you or, you know, like how to subscribe to your newsletter well, and all well, this. First stuff. of all, thank you for letting me crash your episode. <laughs> this is great. This I is was amazing. loving trolling the comments. So thanks for having me on. You can find me on social media at Jen Glance and the newsletters you should subscribe to the first years of marriage.com. That's the first years of marriage.com. And the newest newsletter is oddjobsnews.com. So oddjobsnews.com. Those are the two. Um, That's all I'm going to give you away, but there's so many more awesome things in progress. So I know. But so like how do how should people like message you if they have ideas? Do, do they should do it just on Instagram yeah, or I don't know if you take feedback on on, on stuff like for that. For sure. Find me on Instagram at Jen Glance. Send me an email, jenglance at gmail.com. And you can just also see my website, jenglance.com. But a lot of people have listened to the podcast and reached out and it means a lot. I'm I'm loving the feedback. I'm open to talking to anyone. Um, and I'm just so grateful for this experience. And thank you for having me on the companion podcast. I never thought I would see the day that I'd get on this show and I feel so honored. So thank you. Well, I think Nathan and I, like offline, we've been talking a lot about, maybe we should just have a guest on, you know, like, because it's just me and Nathan is pretty dry. And no offense to you, Nathan. (laughs) I know I'm dry. So like, I'm like, maybe we should have someone on. And I saw Jen Glance. I'm like, well… Jen's know about Twitch. You know, I talked to her about Twitch. I'm just text her, message her like, hey, you want to come on just for fun and give me a hard time to make all the live overlay mm. changes. You know, I like the challenge. Yeah, so this this, this is great. What do you think, Nathan? It's perfect. It's um, it's always been really interesting to have, I, I've wanted to have somebody who's been on the show come and talk about their experience and have a different perspective of James than someone with whom we are creating we're always we're always creating content with James there's less reflection going on so i've wanted to have another a different sounding board who's coming in from a listener angle instead of thinking about all the ums and uhs that aren't in the episodes anymore you guys make yeah. the magic happen behind the scenes. So seriously, anyone listening Thank to the you. podcast, they owe it to you because both of you just make people sound so good and the editing is awesome and So thank you for doing this podcast too. It's great to just hear. I like your perspectives. I like your banter and I like the recap of the episodes. It's like, it's interesting. Make it a newsletter in your free time too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the thing is I'm better at writing. Maybe, maybe if Nathan has any any free time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, thank you so much uh, for people that here join us. Um, You know, like this is great. If you have ideas for Jen, reach out to her. Ideas for me, reach out to me. I'm on Twitter all the time and I like to throw people on the time. And Nathan doesn't have any social media. If you so want to get in touch much- with me, it's altature at gmail.com. <laughs> oh, so are you the one answering those emails? No, that's actually no. James' personal email address. <laughs> but, but he puts oh, it out there. But he gives out all the time. Yeah, he puts it out all the time. I'm like, Nathan, <laughs> are you ghostwriting James's email? <laughs> I'm not that good. I would respond much, much um, slower. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you everyone for watching. I will see you guys maybe two weeks from now. All right. Later, Jay. Thank you guys so much for having me.